Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So welcome to this second instalment in our three-part gut health special. And I do hope that you have already tuned into part one, where I discuss the magic of our magnificent microbes with Professor Tim Spector. And today I am delighted to be joined in my wellbeing studios by the famed fermenter, Ursel Barnes. Brought up in West Berlin, Ursel was raised on a diet of homemade sourdough breads, fermented local foods and yoga. And following a successful career in finance, she retrained as an executive coach and knows only too well the critical difference a gut-friendly diet and fibre can make to well-being on every level, from professional performance to personal happiness. And now alongside her coaching practice, she is the founder of High Mood Food, one of my personal all-time favourite London delis. You may have seen it popping up every now and then on my Instagram. And it specialises in the most delicious and nutritious gut-friendly meals. In fact, their colourful veg-centric treats often grace our Wellbeing Wednesday team lunches. And I must say, they go down an absolute treat with everyone here in my team. So today, Ursa will be sharing the secrets to keeping our gut microbes and our taste buds happy in the kitchen. Welcome, Ursa. Thank you for having me, Liz. Such a treat so to be here. So nice to have you here. Now, before we start, I'm actually going to share a little bit about how we met, because it was a funny story, wasn't it? It was a real stroke of fortune. <laughs> it was. We were both invited to this very smart lunch and uh, there were lots of very important there sort of bankers and investors and everybody talking about sustainable food and farming. And it was the very day that my Good Gut Guide book was published. So I think I arrived slightly late and I joined the lunch and I sat next to you. I was sitting next to you. So we were already, you know, the placement and everything was done. And... Um, and I think, I can't remember how we got talking, but I think I apologised for being late and said I had to go and do a radio interview for my book. And you said, oh, what was it on? And I said, oh, it's, it's this thing, gut health. And lo, there you were, the founder of High Mood Food. Exactly. I think we were opening our shop the next day and it was like this new chapter of gut health that yeah. we were embarking on the journey at the same time. Really extraordinary. So let's talk about your journey. How did you first get interested in fermentation and foods? So I was working as an executive coach and I was finding that a lot of my um, clients, especially in the more high pressured positions, were quite disconnected from their second brain, from the gut. And everything was about performance and and figures and numbers and very serious. And, and you couldn't just kind of, you know, touch your client's knee and say, how are you feeling today? You know, what is, what is your gut saying about all this? And um, I found increasingly that 
people needed to do that that second health check, which was more about the gut than actually the about the brain. Interesting, because you obviously, from my introduction, you grew up with that as a background, did you? Was that kind of an instinctive thing? Did you get that from your parents? Where did that come from? Yeah, you know, I think it's such a cultural thing. In Germany, we are so used to our homemade breads, the sourdough doughs. And in the more I, I did my research, I think it's really cultural in different countries. You know, the Russians grew up on kefirs and krauts and, and you know, the, the South Koreans obviously have their kimchi. Some of those are cultured by families by generations and can end up being 100 years. Whereas, really passed down. They passed down the, the starter culture. Yes, absolutely. Amazing. So it's a real family tradition. Whereas other countries... Um, Italy or South America, it's really hard to find traditional fermented recipes. Mm. And my hunch is that maybe they have enough vitamin D and, you know, enough enough benefits of yeah. the sun that it's more the, the cold climate cultures that have yeah. these recipes. So being German, that was just normal to me. It's it just wasn't a normal thing. Special. Yeah, so sauerkraut, obviously, is sort of one of the, the staples of German cuisine, isn't it? Interesting that you mentioned Italy there, because I know there's a lot of research going on into extra virgin olive oil. And of course, Italy is fueled by extra virgin olive oil. And that seems to have interesting beneficial gut properties, too. So it's know, the whole the whole issue about the Mediterranean diet, you know, which yeah. is just really famed to be um, the longest the longest lives are found in Italy in those little villages, but not funnily enough for fermented um, recipes. So you know, I'd be interested what your yeah. thoughts are on that. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Well, how did you then make the jump? So you're working as a as an executive coach. You're working with all these burnt out, stressed executives. How did you suddenly think, right, these guys need feeding, and I'm going to start this amazing cafe? I was talking to my husband about it and I was just a little bit exasperated that these poor stressed people who've got, you know, half an hour for lunch break just eat whatever is available. And, and you know now that you should probably eat differently because all the information is available, but we, we can't eat it off the internet. So I just I just thought, well, should we should we try it? And my husband was very encouraging and said, why don't you give it a go? Wow. And at the same time, it was a bit of a spiritual calling because I've been practicing Qigong for 25 years and our Qigong grandmaster got the older students together and said, Help me bring this message out into the world. Food is your best medicine. You're your own best doctor because nobody feeds you since you were a toddler. You, you're the one putting food into your mouth. And then the third one was time is your best treatment. And with those three lines, credos, manifestos, I started the concept around fermentation because that's what you do. You use time to make food for time. people who are in a rush and who don't actually have time to prepare. That's so fascinating. And we will come on to fermented foods, but I just want to backtrack a bit there about Qigong because that is fascinating. Tell me about that. How does that work? And what is it for those who don't know about it? Qigong is a quiet form of Tai Chi. A lot of people have seen Tai Chi, these sort of slow movement dances that people do in parks, which are meant to calm you down. And Qigong is the internal, more meditative way of visualizing and circulating energies to break through blockages. Gosh, fascinating. And you do that as part of your coaching? Or, mm. or does it run alongside or not? It's such a good question. You know, executive coaching is all about Western cognitive numbers and it really takes the right client to be ready for that. But yeah. the ones who are open for it really benefit from it because, again, you're accessing different uh, reservoirs of energy. You're accessing your gut. You're, you're able to also dispose of energies that you don't want anymore, toxins, toxic thoughts, emotions. Mm. And, of course, rest is so important. We were talking about that in the last episode, actually, with Tim Spector about the importance of rest and how our microbes can help flourish and multiply with that with that very kind of switch off moment that kind of meditation moment absolutely rest sleep you know it comes with the, the treatment of time that we we invest enough time for ourselves to switch off and then 
generally you would say exercise and a happy disposition in life. You know, if we can manage to have a positive outlook, which again comes back to the happy gut bacteria because they enhance your mood levels, yes. then we generally should be in a in a pretty good position to master our challenges. Because we obviously know here, and we've talked quite a lot about the production of serotonin and the happy chemical that keeps us less stressed and reduces anxiety, 70% of that being made in the gut by our microbes. It's fascinating and it must be, I'm still grappling for the meaning of that because if it's needed in the brain, why is it made in the gut? My hypothesis is that, you know, it's the vagus nerve that transports the effects to the brain and then actually starts driving our thoughts and actions. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. So we're obviously designed with that in mind. We're designed to eat fermented foods because that process goes on in the gut. It's processing food to feed the brain, literally brain food. Yeah, which, again, leads to this interesting hypothesis that we are actually driven by our bacteria. You know, yes. it's who's in the driving seat here? It's the bacteria that are talking to each other and that also breed through socialization because, you know, we touch each other, we transfer bacteria, we touch dogs, we touch the soil. So it's the socializing process which increases our diversity of gut bacteria and then they talk to each other. So the more we socialize and actually transmit these healthy bacteria, the more happy we are in socializing because mm. I think studies have shown on mice that if they are raised in a clinical germ-free environment, they're not able to socialize. You know, That's they become really depressed and die. Well, I also know that it's not just mice, it's it's young children. There was a report, I think a Canadian study, showing that, that small children brought up in households that are too clean, using a lot of household cleaners, they're in a sterile environment or semi-sterile environment, um, they have issues with obesity and weight gain because they're not getting the microbes that are helping to keep them, you know, a, a, a normal healthy weight. Mm, totally, because children and older people have got less diversity in their gut. So it's really important for children, especially, first of all, obviously through the, the birth process. The hypothesis is that if you are, have a normal birth, you already get coated in your mother's bacteria. Mm. And then through playing in the soil, playing with animals, you increase your yeah. diversity and you become more immune against disease. And then as we get older, when the gut diversity decreases, again, diseases like Alzheimer, Parkinson's, um, degenerative diseases have a have a hold yeah again. a lot of work going on in that and I know that we're going to be talking a bit more about that in our next episode so that's very timely but coming back to your deli it's described as veg centric so what exactly does that mean does that mean that you are completely plant-based is everything coming from from plants when you're doing all your lovely ferments I'm very pro-choice. I was very keen that high mute food is not another fat, that it is actually a way of life that caters for everybody in their choice of how they want to eat, just in a slightly healthier way. So veg-centric just means that we should probably all increase the diversity of plants that we eat every week. I think you have referred to that many times. We should aim to have 30, if not more, different vegetables and plants every week. Completely. And that's 30, three zero, listeners, 30. Yep, <laughs> not 13. <laughs> it's such an important goal to really, to really, eat because yeah. we, we are so easily caught in our habits of what we like eating. Mm -hmm. We always go for the same food. So diversity is key. Veg-centric means that I would love to turn around menus. I think it's not, it's not, the right way to eat to have a big chunk of meat or fish and then a tiny bit of vegetable mm. so if you make the vegetables the main actors in the game and have a couple of interesting ones eat your rainbow colors have different textures and then have your protein of choice as a side that right. is a much better way of yeah. eating so well, I mean, what, what i love about coming into to high mood food is that you do these sort of plates or these boxes to take away 
And they're literally, you're spooning fulls of, of different things. You know, there are seeds and kimchis and krauts and salads and then your protein and all these different things come together. And it really is. I mean, you're going to have at least 30 different things in that one single plateful. I mean, it's you make it so easy. Oh, it's so kind of you to say that, Liz. We, we try to make the veg interesting yeah. and then we, we are flexitarian. So we say, if you want to eat meat, we will give you a healthy, happy chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are pescatarian, there will be a choice of, you know, good omega-3 um, fatty fish. But if you're a vegan, we offer tempeh, which is obviously yeah. the choice of protein for the vegans. Yeah, interesting. Tell me about tempeh. That's fermented soybeans. Is that right? Fermented soybeans. And I think, you know, you are the specialist and the pro on, <laughs> on hormones. Um <laughs> Well, hormones, gosh, yes. So tempeh yeah, is, a, is a really good choice for vegans, for the for mm. protein, for the vitamin B12s, the different vitamin Bs, but also for the phytoestrogens, for example. You know, that, yeah. that as, we, as we are in our 40s, after we had all our lovely children. <laughs> yes, very important to be mm. eating lots of plant-based foods and the phytoestrogens are really interesting. How do you prepare it? Do you buy it ready-made in a, in a block? and then marinated or or what what do you do to make it taste so good? So I think um, the general advice is that you should cook um, soy because you could also be fermenting harmful bacteria. So it's not really generally advised to eat it raw. But you know, pasteurizing is cooking. So literally you grill it, you steam it, you boil it. And uh, it's it's not the easiest food to make interesting, I must admit. But so we will use, you know, like miso, marinade on mm. it or a little drizzle or grill it and yeah. um, and then use an interesting fermented dressing so we use a lot of brines and kimchi in our dressings so that way you enhance the flavor mm. and and people love it yeah and you get that almost sort of meaty fleshy texture unlike tofu which is very smooth tempeh yes. you still get the sort of the grains of the soybean don't you in there and it's a bit of a nutty flavor mm, and it I makes love you it. chew. You know, I think digestion is also about chewing and looking at the food and enjoying it because it's colorful and, and using your teeth. Yeah. And it really absorbs flavor as well. So things like ginger and soy, as you've mentioned, a bit of garlic, all mm. really helpful. Do you pay attention to FODMAP? Is that something that comes into your... You know, I think you have to have a clinical indication to yeah. really go on a FODMAP diet. I so think... some people are, are avoiding that. That's things of like, I mean, I just mentioned that because of mentioning garlic and onions and some people, have, you know, will avoid those. Yes, we, we attract a lot of people with allergens and sure. things that they can't eat. So we cater for that. But um, generally, we would say diversity is key, yeah. you know, and a FODMAP diet is basically the opposite. You try to rule out foods in order to find out what you mm what you can, what you shouldn't eat. And we start from a point of diversity and then yeah. we start cutting out yeah. what you can't have. Now, I have been lucky enough to go down into the depths of your kitchens and seen all these things being fermented. I mean, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a cross between a kind of oak cuisine kitchen and, and a laboratory. I mean, you've got these things literally living and growing. What do you make down there? So we make our 5K. That is um, a little bit of a, of, a, of a word of play on have you had your five veg a day? Because we say have you had your 5K a day would mean that you increase the diversity. So of tell us products. about the 5K. What are your Ks? So it's kefir, which could be the dairy kefir or the water kefir. Um, it is the kraut. You were talking about the German sauerkraut earlier. Um, it's different versions of fermented vegetables. It's the kimchi, which is the South Korean way of marinating and uh, releasing the lactic acid in the in the different vegetables. And then as a fifth one, we use kamut sourdough, which stands for any ancient grain fermented 
sourdough. Mm, so if I wanted to make my own sourdough, how would I do that? Is it a very complicated process? I mean, I do make kimchi and kraut, but I, I have to say I've not yet got into making sourdough. I think there's various stages of, of using sourdough. You know, I was in the States recently and they had very white, soft bread, which said sourdough toast. And I think they used a crumb of sourdough. So yes. you, can, you can make the real sourdough, which means you start, you use a starter, you add the flour, the water, you let it rest 48 hours. The longer, the better. Again, time is your best treatment. And then you have a proper, really nutritious sourdough. Mm. The really interesting thing about sourdough is that the process mitigates the allergen gluten to, I think research shows, 95%. That's so interesting. So people who are, who are gluten intolerant should probably, yeah. actually, unless you're properly celiac, yeah, then sure. don't go there. But yeah. if you're just intolerant, it's actually a good thing to eat a little bit of sourdough once in a while because you will you will decrease your yeah. intolerance. Do you know, my, that, I, it's very interesting you should say that because um, I've started introducing my parents who had both turned, just turned 80 recently to sourdough, sourdough bread, because they came today and I was toasting it and they said, oh, this isn't nice, what's this? I saw it's sourdough. So my, my mother now, you know, buys it as part of the weekly shop. And she just said as an aside to me that she said, oh, did you know, it's interesting that sourdough because um, for the first time your father doesn't take an indigestion tablet after having a piece of toast. Well, A, I had no idea that he was having an indigestion tablet after a piece of toast. Otherwise I would have been straight in there saying, hold on a minute, you know, there's obviously that's an indication that something's not right. But that just shows the the physical effect that something as simple as a switch, you just, you know, instead of buying one kind of bread, you buy a different kind of bread. You know, it's not hard, is it, to make these little moves to make gut health better? Absolutely. And it brings us, you know, to the to the importance of fibre, especially in elderly people. If you eat fibre, you're providing the fertiliser for your own gut bacteria that might be getting a bit tired, you know, which is which is part of getting older to actually thrive and be more active. And then you don't need those indigestion tablets. That's so interesting. I love the idea of having our gut like a garden that we need to fertilise and feed. Because Absolutely. it's about feeding our microbes, isn't it? Feeding them with the right things so they can thrive and in turn they will then help us thrive. Yes, and I think it's so important to eat insoluble fibre, especially because that way we're fertilising our own individual gut bacteria. Because again, research shows that I think we're 99.9% the same in DNA, but only 10% similar in gut bacteria. So there's actually so much we still have to do research on. Yeah. And in the meantime, evidence shows that if you eat prebiotics, you will feed whatever your good gut bacteria do as a good job for mm. you. So it's individual, it's individual support without knowing actually what it does. So the prebiotics being the things that, the food, if you like, the fertiliser for your good bacteria. That's, so we're looking at plant fibres. Yes. Yeah, so I think you know, obviously, um, fibre is the like the structure, the backbone of um, plants or cell structures, and there are so many different ones. And that's I think where diversity comes in again. You can't mm. just say the the prebiotics in it's not just about inulin for example which exactly. is one which is the well-known one exactly it's it's about all the other ones and mm. they get metabolized differently in the body and in different parts um of you know absorption in the gut so sometimes it's more to produce the lining for the gut bacteria sometimes it's more to produce bulk so that you pass easily so all these different um fibers have got different jobs yes. in the digestion so therefore the more variety we eat yeah. the more holistically healing we are to ourselves. That's interesting. I think you mentioned the word bulk. I think when people think of fibre, that's all we think about. We think that the only role of fibre is just to bulk up what we have to kind of, you know, ease transit time and all of that through the bowel. 
but the fact that there is a different role for fibre, that fibre is a nutrient in itself. It's not just this sort of cellulose matter that doesn't do anything and that we need to look at different types of fibre. Exactly. And it gets converted into short-term fatty acids and it, it absorbs toxins. It, you know, it recycles cholesterol and, um, you know, other other things in the gut. So it's considered a non-essential um food but actually we could say we would die if we didn't have it so yeah. therefore it probably is quite essential. I love the way that, that this whole conversation that we're having now about fermented foods and about fibers and all these different types of you know cultured foods as well you know the, the, the kefirs and the you know um, buttermilks and sour creams and all that kind of thing that this is not just feeding our own body as such you know it's not just about you know building muscle and giving us energy but we're feeding this flora inside us which is in turn fueling us. It just kind of makes you look at the things on your plate differently, don't you think? Yes, I think it's like you know, a, a wild garden out in the countryside. You wanted to be thriving with different bees and, and you were all trying to rewild and to have an ocean that is thriving. And I think we are such a microorganism, we are a microcosm mm. in ourselves. So it makes sense that we should be thriving with all these different mm. good bacteria and, and to be, look after them and feed them with good yeah. Fiber. Well, I mean, regular listeners will, will have heard me say this before, but in my home, I, I call I refer to them as friends, our friends inside the gut. So I've got teenagers and they've been you know, really having to look after their friends this summer because they've been doing GCSEs and A-levels. So we've had a really stressful few months. Thankfully, that's now passed. Uh, but I do say to them, I, I give them probiotics, particularly at stressful times to help with things like anxiety and mood very important for teenagers uh, trying to lift their mood so I give them you know I say have you had your friends today and then I then continue that conversation by saying you know are you looking after your friends you know are you feeding your friends and are you not having things like aspartame in diet drinks which we know are going to damage your friends so you don't want to hurt your friends do you, you know you kind of build them up and you want to protect them and look after them it's so funny because I tell my children you know have you have you have you looked after your soldiers because your soldiers me... <laughs> okay you've got soldiers I've got friends that's great because they sort of you know, for me, they stand yeah. for the immune system and, and you yeah. want to you want to keep your defenses up. So that's why we use that analogy. But on the other hand, I, I think with children, it's also very important because it's so hot to feed teenagers. I don't know what your experience is, but, you know, here I am yeah. have all these high mood food shops and my son is off to McDonald's. But Oh, don't. They think it's the greatest treat. <laughs> I mean, seriously. But in a way, I also say it's so important of how you eat. You know, if my son sits down and he has 100% focus and he's just drooling with happiness about mm. uh, to eat this McDonald's and fully pays attention to it, it will probably sit better with him than if you eat the healthiest salad on the go. Mm. And sometimes I worry about that because, you know, we attract also people who who've got a slightly over-obsessive relationship to food. And I always, you know, think they're our shadow tribe. So They're the, what, sorry? Our shadow tribe. Shadow tribe. tribe because okay. also on Instagram, we have a lot of women follow us. But then often when I look around in the shop, there's only men. But men have a very different approach to food. They get often introduced to it, healthy food by their women. But then they just come, they eat. It's part of them looking after themselves. They go and they go back to work and they just feel the energy. Yeah. Whereas women can often just... Um, just obsess a little bit too much about it. Yes. And, and the teenagers, I think for them it's important to just, um, you pick them up where they're at and you offer them one little bit to be mm -hmm. healthier. You don't try to change everything. You know, small mm. steps are actually a big yeah. success. So let's say my son who loves his McDonald's, you know, he'll, he'll have a green juice after a long night out. Or my daughter who loves her desserts, she has swapped to kefir ice cream that we make, which is sugar-free, and then 80% mm. dark chocolate with berries, you know? So yes. you end up having your, your favorite treat, but in a, in, a, in a craving, curbing fashion. Yeah, that's really interesting. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. How do you make cafe ice cream? We have got this fancy ice cream machine and, you know, we use the kefir and, and we churn it. the kefir yeah. and then it freezes really well, doesn't yeah. it? Freezes How really does well. that affect the, the microbes? Do we know, do they withstand? I mean, obviously you've got to keep probiotics, a lot of them, keep them cool, sometimes even put them in the fridge. So presumably they don't mind being frozen. Exactly. You know, a lot of the probiotic supplements are actually, um, you know, shock frozen. And, and yeah. then, um, so so our hypothesis is we haven't tested it yet as an mm. outcome, but they, they just go to sleep when you freeze them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you heat them up too much, they die. Yes. So we would we would have our quads and kimchis in a cold form, or we serve it as a, I like having it with, we call it doled up dal. So we have a dal, which is a, you know, sort of a warm dish. <laughs> yeah. And then I add a little bit of kimchi and, and kraut and it gets a bit warm, yeah, but you don't nice. heat it to the point where you destroy the bacteria. That's so great. Gosh, you're making me hungry just sitting here talking to you. I mean, dulls, we, we make a lot of dulls here in, in the studios and make them with things like lentils and pulses. And of course, those are all very good, aren't they? They're a great form of fiber, so they're going to help feed the gut. But I hadn't thought about stirring in things like kimchi and kraut into that. It becomes a lovely meal in itself. You know, it's yeah. a little bit more than just a soup and it's not a full meal. And I find that snacking is actually a future trend. You know, I think a lot of us are moving away from these three three big meals a day a lot of us like intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. you know, where you just give your body a break. But yeah, then so you get your two meals a day, maybe. Yeah. And I find myself, you know, just snacking between 11 and five. And then mm-hmm. I like having smaller meals rather than one big one where then my whole system needs to mm. recover for a while. I love the idea of, of adding things into conventional dishes. So I, I came by your place the other day, in, uh, which is in Duke Street and just opposite Selfridges. And I had my teenage son with me and he, you know, he loves cheese toasties. So we came in and he had a cheese toasty, but your cheese toasty was fermented sourdough bread, toasted with some great cheese and kraut mm. in the in the cheese toasty. And, you know, he pronounced it delicious. So, yeah, that's a really great win, isn't it? Something that's, that's very kind of traditional, easy, and you've given it that healthy twist, that really simple spin. 
It was actually designed by my son. It's quite was funny. It? <laughs> and he said, Mommy, you've got to give people the foods that they love and comfort yeah. foods and just, you know, just twist it around. So we have the miso cultured butter and so and therefore it has three different ferments in a in a comfort miso dish. Miso cultured butter. Yeah. Butter. So, you, so how do you do that? So you, you culture the butter again. So how that do you it, culture butter? Okay, you just sort of ferment it. Yeah, so you, you strain the butter again and again, ah, okay. and therefore it, it, it gets more enriched. With. We're going to get that recipe and we are going to post it online because I think cultured butter sounds really interesting. And I'm also interested about your kefir because I know a lot about dairy kefir and I, I make my own kefir. Sometimes I buy it, sometimes I make it. And I tend to use an organic milk, cow's milk. But I'm interested when I come into the, 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 the deli and I see these water-based kefirs. So you can really make a kefir with anything, can't you? You can make it with coconut milk or anything as a base. The water kefirs have got different cultures. So you've got special um, water kefir grains, which you then um, ferment with a little bit of fruit juice and sugar, and that way it becomes a water mm. kefir, which is sim more similar to a kombucha, which you would make with a scoby. Yes. But the dairy kefir, we are experimenting quite a lot to make plant-based kefirs with those grains because obviously vegans won't eat yeah. kefir, although the lactose is the allergen, and, and that gets eaten yeah. up by the bacteria during the process. But we, for example, have an oat milk kefir, which is quite popular. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to start using the grains for different mm. milks, as you say. I've, I, I've recently, my eldest son is lactose intolerant and has always been very suspicious of kefir. You know, when he's seen it in the fridge, he's like, oh, I'm not going to have that. And I've recently got him drinking it because, to your point there, the, the beneficial bacteria in the dairy kefir or in the... Um, uh, yeah, the, the, the basically the, the dairy kefir is eaten up by the beneficial bacteria. So it digests the lactose. So very often, if you are lactose intolerant, it is something that you can enjoy. Exactly. And that way you actually keep your body used to a little bit of the of the stimulation of it. It's the same as the gluten and the sourdough. So actually, I think if you restrict yourself too much in your diet, you're often creating a problem. So, yes. so rather keep your body used to small portions. I think a lot of what is, is portion control. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, talking about fiber again, if people say, okay, I'm going to start eating fiber now and you eat too much, you will actually have yeah. symptoms of bloating and indigestion. So I think a huge point is in whatever you try to change your diet or introduce different um, ways of eating that you start slowly yes. and you build up and that, you control that's, your portions. That, that's a very good point. And I'm not a fan like you of restricted eating. I'm not a fan of restricted diets. And one of the things I was most pleased about actually when I, I wrote the Good Gut Guide and that has a six-week eating plan in it. And I deliberately put people on that plan or asked them to try it at home who were lactose or gluten intolerant. Um, and after six weeks, interestingly, they could then actually go back and have gluten and have lactose and I just don't think that we should be pandering to the food industry you know you go into the supermarket these days and you've got these massive free from aisles you know free from gluten free from dairy free from whatever and actually we should be taking a step back don't you think and thinking well why is it free from why have we suddenly got all these issues it's like you keep banging your hand um, and then you put plasters over it well no let's just stop banging your hand you know let, let's just stop the damage to start with and then look at if we can repopulate our gut with good bacteria so that we can then go back to eating a more balanced, more rounded diet. It's brilliant that you actually proved that it does work, Liz. It's so true. Because now if you if you want to um, experiment with people who have got a diverse gut bacteria, we all go to Africa. You know, we find these yes. tribes that still eat real wholesome food that comes fresh out of soil, that's full of nutrients. And then we discover that they actually have the best diverse gut bacteria, whereas our Western processed diet has led to really reduce gut bacteria that is not in a position anymore to fight any 
any yeah. disease and then becomes, you know, pre-diabetic and all those problems. Yeah, definitely. Interesting what you say about the, the kefir and the water-based kefir having a different grain, a different starter culture. Because, I mean, I love my, my, my milk-based kefir and I tend not to go for the, the water-based ones. But actually now I know that they've got different beneficial bugs. Mm -hmm. We should be having a little bit of everything. So try a bit of water-based, try a bit of coconut milk kefir, try a bit of this and that and, mm -hmm. and add it all in together because the more well, I think what the message across here is is the more different varieties of foods and fermented foods we can have the better actually you know that's that's a product that I'm working on in high mute food I want to develop a 5k live shot where we actually combine the life cultures of different um, cultures because then the theory would be that you give your body the diversity on an empty stomach and you increase your friends and you feed your friends and wherever you're at whether you're sick or you're healthy you will improve your immune system mm. and your friends to fight mm. whatever comes at you fantastic do you take any supplements as well do you have any favorites or do you rely mostly on on foods i rely mostly on food i think yeah. if you're a healthy person and yeah. you eat a diverse diet then mm. because so many supplements just 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 get destroyed in the acidity yeah. of your stomach so really few supplements survive that yeah. i think there are some good products out there that have tested mm. that mm. but i haven't been sick knock on wood in a long time yeah. and i just eat i mean food. it's interesting i, I mean I, I do a lot of research on things like ramnosis which is a supplement that i used to take quite a lot and I used to take it for recurring urinary tract infections, and it has a really interesting history and, and, and some proven science behind it for pelvic health. And I take it less and less, and I think it's because I've been taking it, so I've populated, hopefully repopulated my gut after taking lots of antibiotics in the past. And now, through feeding those beneficial friends, you know, with lots of lovely things that they can grow on and fertilise in, I probably don't need to have so many supplements because I'm kind of my body's doing its own work really. I couldn't agree more. It's brilliant. Mm. And of course, dark chocolate is our friend, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> is it like the richest source of, of polyphenols? I think it's absolutely. It's, I think it's, anything eighty percent plus is great. And I don't know if anybody's ever been to a cacao ceremony. No. What happens there? A cacao ceremony is where you have a traditional um ceremonial 100% cacao and it's usually quite a it's it's in South American tradition and you you somebody holds the space so you should have somebody who who leads the ceremony and then it's a 3 hour meditation where you you fast for half a day a couple of hours before you drink the 100% chocolate and then you have a 3 hour meditation and really I love it it's really really wonderful cacao ceremony uh, the only thing I've been to which was similar perhaps in that is I went to the Gainsborough spa down in Bath which is based on an original roman bath so they have these bubbling hot natural springs that come up from the ground and they've rebuilt it um, pretty much as as well, possibly the Romans, but certainly the Victorians who, and Georgians, because um, Bath is obviously a Georgian city, would do these taking the waters. And at the end of this ritual that you go in with all these different hot and cold thermal spas, they serve you an original Georgian hot chocolate recipe, which is very intense, that dark cacao, dark chocolate with some spices. And the whole idea is that this is what the, the Georgians used to do. They used to do their sort of water therapy in their spa treatment. And then they'd follow it with, with some hot, really dark chocolate. So maybe they knew instinctively, maybe they knew something back then that it had these therapeutic properties. Fantastic. I'll definitely look into that immediately. They say in South America that chocolate is the medicine of the heart. It takes you inside, it opens your heart, it opens your emotions. 
And then I think, you know, cleansing your skin, which is also an underestimated organ. If you, if you, if you add the energy of the warm waters, you, mm. you detoxify, you clean yourself, and then you open your heart from the inside. Oh, fascinating. You must have felt good. I felt great. It certainly tasted delicious. Another thing that I think is delicious, and I've also spotted on your shelves, is seaweed. There's a great Cornish seaweed and you're using that as a kind of condiment. And again, I know that's rich in iodine, so that's a good... And it's just a good flavouring, isn't it? Look, we, we believe in local. So we love Cornish seaweed mm. because it's local. I believe that our gut bacteria in England will love the local superfoods, if you want to use that word. And definitely yeah. seaweed uh, would count as one. So we use it for umami, that lovely word of adding flavour. Tell us and about umami. Umami is the way to add interesting texture, flavor to dishes. So we would use it in our green vegan kimchi um, because Koreans would use fish sauce in kimchi. But we add the seaweed to get that slightly fishy um, sort of sea flavor. How interesting. Exactly. And then we use it in a, in a broth, in a vegan broth, um, because it's got you know a lot of micronutrients, a lot of... Yeah. Um, a lot of iodine, particularly, which can be difficult to get from yes, plant sources. Exactly, magnesium, yeah. calcium. So a lot of Fantastic. lot of things to get into the system. And then we also use it for a Caesar dressing. You know where you would usually use the anchovies. So if we have a a, a vegan Caesar dressing, we would use um, seaweed, seaweed in, in it. it. Great. And you mentioned earlier kombucha, and the scoby. I I remember making kombucha in my airing cupboard. I mean, it must be nearly 30 years ago, kind of in a bucket. And my whole family would just recoil at the sight of this almost kind of fungusy looking thing. Do you make your own kombucha? We partner with scobies. We have scobies, so we make our own kombucha vinegar where we just let it ferment really, really long. And then we would use it as an alternative in our salad dressings. That's interesting. So if I go away and I leave my scoby, and I will, just for those who don't know, talk about what a scoby is in just a second. But if I go and leave my scoby, you're right, it does get very dark and very vinegary. So don't throw that away. No, it's so it rich a, in, in probiotics. You know, we've, we've done research on our um, kimchis and krauts, and the longer the shelf life is, the, the more... The more, the, the more active exactly the more active the more more diverse your bacteria become. because i think people are, are so worried you know we're so caught up aren't we and use by dates and sell by dates and all oh, that's you know gone you know three hours over it's used by date we need to chuck it away and when you say to people well you know you make this and you leave it in a warm place in your kitchen for three weeks and it starts to ferment and bubble your your natural instinct that we've kind of grown up with here in the west is it's gone off chuck it out but that's not the case absolutely not and you know if you have a kimchi or or kraut in your fridge and, and the closer you get to your sell-by date my actually recommendation is then the better it will be so the don't better. be afraid about that of that at all that's great because i do have some that are quite elderly i mean some of them i think if they obviously grow obvious mold or whatever then you know that oh that's that's a harmful bacteria gone. yeah yeah yes, but you yes. know if, if it if it smells good if it has no visible sign of spoilage at all mold um, is always a bad sign yeah. mold is always harmful bacteria we should always throw it out yeah. that's really good to know that actually because i think people are, are concerned that there's something going on perhaps they can't see but if, if there is that visible sign mm. but in taste the slightly off taste that you know we often sometimes recall from say oh this must be bad it's off but you know kefir that slightly tangy taste yeah, is tangy, actually quite sour yeah. is quite sour it's an off taste so it's an acquired taste we've got to get mm. used to it but I don't know if you've read the book, The Psychobiotic Revolution, one of my favourite I've got books. it downstairs. Yes, I will be reading it. It's such a simple message. It just means that if you start 
eating foods that have got good probiotics and will feed your good gut bacteria. They give you the psychological benefit of eating those good foods. And then they will grow and give the signal back to your brain that you should eat more of it. And that's why mm. an acquired taste of kefir and kraut actually grows on you. It does grow yeah, on and you. And you start craving it after a couple of days it's or true, weeks you because you're like, oh my God, I haven't had my kefir in a while. I haven't had yeah. my spoon of kraut. And it's because you have grown those positive bacteria that give you the enhanced mood levels, that give you more energy, that give you more calmness, all those lovely things that we want more of in our lives. Whereas if you eat the bad stuff, you know, all the processed foods, you mm. will grow the bacteria that give you dark moods, you know, grumpiness, yeah. what we call the roller coaster of emotion. So it's really in our hands to what we eat to create our own mood levels. Mm. So what would your day on a plate look like? Talk us through the sorts of things that you'd have on, in, in a day. I like intermittent fasting, so I won't usually eat early in the morning. I quite like having a, a bullet coffee. What's a bullet coffee? <laughs> Is that the keto coffee? Uh, yes, yeah, so you mix it with coconut oil or any medium-chain fatty acid uh, and a bit of butter. It sounds really awful. <laughs> and what's the point in that? Why, why would we put butter and coconut oil in our coffee? It would just give you those healthy fat, fats, you know, which, which mm. you can either feel f- full on fats or on carbohydrates. And on a keto diet, on a ketogenic diet, you would... Uh, trick the body into believing that it's starving because it's not getting carbs. But you are still feeling full because you eat fat, healthy fats mm. and um, and enough proteins. And that's why you lose weight, actually, on a ketogenic diet, because you're burning fuel. You're, you're, you're eating into your fat reserves. Absolutely. But you don't feel hungry Absolutely. because you've had the fat. It's, it's a weird thing. I'm Absolutely. going to write about it for the magazine because I'm fascinated by it. And it shouldn't only be seen as a weight loss diet because no. there are so many medical benefits to cell regeneration, rejuvenation, that um, is really a lot of research emerging that it's mm. it's really, really beneficial for, for, for any disease that thrives on inflammation because that's yes. what carbohydrates and sugars do. And most disease is caused by inflammation. So if you cut that out, you give the body the chance to heal and to... To, mm, to know, repair itself. Yes, exactly. So start with lovely cup of coffee. And again, we've done research here at Lizard Wellbeing. Coffee is good. So we're allowed to have lots of polyphenols again. Tim Spector was talking about that. You know, we're allowed our real coffee. So with a bit of, uh, bit of healthy fat in there. And then when would you eat? When would you have a, your first sort of mouthful? Probably around 10, I would have, mm-hmm. usually I quite, either have a keto breakfast, which I, which I love, so that would be um, poached eggs with evo, a bit of kraut and kimchi. Uh, sometimes if I feel like having carbs, I will have sourdough bread with it mm-hmm. or good gut bread where we don't have any grains at all. I, I really like intuitive eating, which I think you're also very big on. So yeah. you, you start trusting your body that actually today, if you're really hungry and you want to have some carbs, it's okay. I you agree know? with you. Sometimes I just think I've, I've got to have a, a piece of toast this morning. I just that's just what I, I fancy having and I keep sliced sourdough in the in the freezer so it's all ready exactly. tell me about your good gut bread you make it without grain How, what on earth goes into it then so we we use different seeds in there and then we use psyllium husk which I like because it you know produces bulk and uh, it's a it's a it's a very allergen friendly gluten-free wheat-free uh, recipe it's quite hearty um, but, you know, it's filling and, and a lot of people with IBS uh, really, really enjoy it. Mm. Would you use teff? Yes, teff I flour. think teff is one of those ancient, grain, ancient yeah. grains that is really beneficial. Yeah, it's interesting. It's actually technically it's a seed. I, I was with um, Tear Fund, a charity that I'm an ambassador for in Ethiopia, um, uh, well, nearly a year ago now. And Ethiopia just runs on teff. Mm. I mean, it's an extraordinary nutritious seed. Mm. And it's very easy to, to grow and you can hand sow it and hand harvest it. So it doesn't need a lot of mechanisation. So it's very sustainable and very good, obviously, for um, very poor countries, developing countries where they don't have much infrastructure. 
and literally everywhere you go they make this they call it injera pancake and it's a fermented pancake and they make this dough using sourdough sorry using um teff and uh and they make it in buckets in sheds i mean it's, it's i mean i'm sure the beneficial bacteria is is just extraordinary and then they they make these huge pancakes i mean they're almost like a meter wide they're massive and then they stack them up in these huge towers and they have little stalls alongside the road and everybody will just, you know, literally go to work or go out and they'll pay a few, um, you know, literally the equivalent of, you know, a couple of pence, if that, to buy their injera pancake. And I have to say, they are an amazingly strong and, and healthy bunch of people who, you know, on the surface are living on so little these real kind of subsistence farmers and they've you know been subjected to famine and all sorts of things and yet they they are getting this incredibly nutritious form of food and we're just beginning to get into that kind of thing here aren't we i'm seeing teff used a bit more mm, it's fascinating because they build real resilience and we tend to look down a little bit on oh they're poor they don't have the materialistic things that we we are lucky mm. enough to own but they have real health yeah and then we go and wreck it by going and selling them cola drinks and all of that that's so sad yeah it's not it's not great anyway we are well you are certainly doing a much much better job and I love the way just to finish up here that you have called your whole enterprise high mood food because it is all it's that connection isn't it it's about food that makes you feel better food for improving your mood Exactly. It's all in the name. You know, the vagus nerve connects the, the, the stomach to the brain and all the research that is emerging now is just showing that... If... Sorry, we, sorry, we didn't even get beyond breakfast. <laughs> sorry, can we go back to breakfast? So you've got your avocado and your poached eggs and your kimchi and your kraut. Yes, and then for lunch, sometimes I'll have, I'll have a dal soup, as we said earlier, with, yeah. you know, with a bit of krauts in there. Then usually in the afternoons, I feel, you know, I have a bit of a sweet tooth, so I feel like having a little little treat. And then... I won't deny myself the treat. You know, so I love what my will sweets. you have? What sort of things do you make? Because you've got cookies and things on sale that aren't made with sugar, and yet you've got the dark chocolate. Exactly. So I find that very, um, you know, I feel very satiated after that. I'll have an almond butter dark chocolate chip cookie, or I will have a piece of brownie which was made with buckwheat flour and real chocolate. Um, you know, and yeah, after just that, keeping the, the sugar level down, the mm. refined sugars. Mm. Exactly. And then for, for dinner, I, I usually avoid carbs. I don't like eating carbs and, and too heavy foods in the evening. Mm -hmm. So usually I actually quite like cheese. You know, I will have cheese yeah. and um, some fruit and some veggie. I yeah. love my veggies. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> and sprinkling lots of seeds. So making seed mixes that can go on kind of everything. Exactly. So we have a dukkha, which is a different seven spice mix, traditional recipes. Or we have our tamari seeds, which are activated, soaked, um, sprouted. You know, again, this our, our motto of time is your best treatment. So whenever you ferment, you sprout, you activate, um, all those things enhance the the absorption of the nutrients. So should we be activating our seeds and our nuts? Yes, definitely. So how do you do that? You soak it overnight in, in water with a, a sprinkling of uh, salt. And in that way, you break down the anti-nutrient in the seeds and in the nuts, the phytic acid. You know, those, those were meant to be in nature to protect the plant against being eaten by the animals. So it kind of tasted a little bit 
undigestible. And that sometimes if you're sensitive and you have a handful of nuts, you can feel a little bit like, mm, you know, I thought I was eating something healthy, but I'm not feeling that great. Mm -hmm. And if you activate those overnight or then dehydrate, you know, just dry it in the oven for a long time. After soaking it. Yes, yes. So it's it's a long process. Time. Sure, the time again. Coming <laughs> back time to time, again. this is the message that I'm getting. Take time. But you can you can make a big jar sure. and then you're like, oh, the whole family's like snacking on it. So, you know, this whole thing, does fermentation take a lot of time? I wouldn't argue. So I think it takes a bit of planning. But, you know, yeah. if you take cucumbers and you put a little bit of salt water on and you put the jar out for, you know, a day or two, that's not a lot of time to be no. invested. And what happens then with your salted cucumbers? Well, it's a fermented vegetable, you know, and it will it will release more nutrients in in, in Isn't in that amazing? Cucumber. My son loves cucumber. You know, I have to stop him from raiding the fridge and literally he will go and take a cucumber and just eat it, like, you know, just, just chew on it because he just loves it so much. So if I make some, some just chop it up or cut, cut it into sticks and put it into some salty water... I wouldn't then do I'll it for doing... too long. It can get a bit mushy if you leave it out for too long. Okay. But a little bit is great. And even those those little tiny cucumbers that are, you know, that are actually... They're the baby ones. Yes, that are ripe now. You know, it's very seasonal um, and it's it's the best way to eat. If you get those seasonal ones and you yeah. just you just have a glitch of it in your vegetable garden, if you're lucky, and then you put it in jars and it will, will serve as a super snack for the whole family. What a really great idea. And in the meantime, I'm going to soak all my nuts. So that's all of them. So almonds... Walnuts, you know, pecans, hazelnuts, you can do it. And, and all the seeds, sesame seeds, sunflower seeds. Yes. So the, the seeds don't eat as long. So the right. seeds, um, you can just leave a little bit shorter. You don't have to do it properly Just for overnight. a few hours, maybe. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the almonds, definitely um, the ones with the thicker skin. Overnight. And then I would drain them and then you just leave them to dry, do you? Mm. Ideally in the in the oven, you know, at sort of 60, 70 degrees. If you if you go over 80, 90, then it will start um, hurting those quite fragile, um, healthy okay, fats. So you don't want to scorch them. You just want to kind of dry it out so that they're crisp up again. Yes, exactly. And it will be a lovely flavour. Yeah, mm, fantastic. Mm, mm. Oh, I'm so inspired. Thank you so much. It is such a joy to have you here and chat through everything. I am feeling quite hungry uh, <laughs> and desperate to pay another visit to Thank you so much. amazing it's emporium. Such fun to talk to you know the guru of this all Thank well i don't know about that and i'm going to mention actually that you've got this great hashtag because i do follow you on instagram um you're at high mood food and your hashtag is hashtag go with your gut which is really good isn't it go with your gut that's what we need to do Thank i think you. we should all do more of that because we all want to be strong and resilient and we actually don't think about it often enough how much that is in our own power to yeah. eat and to become stronger and more resilient you know we yeah. can we can change it's never too late well, thank you. Very, very inspiring us all. And that is, alas, all we have time for today. But as always, you will find details of the resources and the links that we've mentioned in today's show over on lizardwellbeing.com, where you can sign up for the free newsletter for lots of gut-friendly recipes, obviously, and lots more well-being wisdom besides. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. This will ensure the next episode where we'll be exploring the crucial and fascinating link between gut health and mental health. We touched on that here today. We're taking a deeper dive into it next time. And that will ensure it's downloaded safely without you even having to remember it. So until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.